0: Sally Lucas and I are talking travel. Sally, where are you taking us to first? We're off to the other hemisphere, aren't we? We are the Northern Hemisphere and firstly today to a southern part of the Northern Hemisphere, if that makes sense to the Mediterranean and to the little, oh, not little, the large-ish country, I suppose, but with the shoe, as they call it, has a heel at the bottom, which is Italy. So I thought we'd go there today because it is becoming, well, it used to be France was your most popular, if you like, Western European destination, but Italy is really coming up there now as being quite up there with, with France. And, of course, it's, it's very different to France, of course, in their, in their attitude and everything as well, because everything's a bit, you know, manana and... You know, whatever happens, happens. And you, even when you go to the Swiss border, like the Swiss Italians are so different to the Italian Italians. You know, they, they do the Swiss clockwork thing and everything's precise and right and on time. And Italy is a little bit more laid back than that. But, I mean, that can be a good thing when you're on holidays, I think, anyway. And, of course, it's divided up into so many interesting regions. And, you know, it's it's, it's hard. Like any country, we, we forget in Australia we're a large country, but we're, we're not densely populated. So you go to somewhere like Italy and we're only discussing this, yesterday, as a matter of fact, about some clients who said, oh, look, I only want to go here for three nights and there for two nights. And we're saying, look, do you realize three nights only gives you two full days? Two nights only gives you one full day. You're talking about a country that is is so populous that, you know, you could spend a week in one tiny little region and only just touch on on the surface. So... Anyone out there who is planning a trip to Europe, remember you're going to very densely populated countries. You need to give yourself time. Please try not to do everything in one itinerary, like look at what you want to do in that country and, you know, specialise in whatever you feel that your interests are. And Italy is quite diverse because you go up to the north, which of course we're at borders on Switzerland, as we've mentioned, and the beautiful Dolomite Mountain range through into Austria and Liechtenstein and so on. So you, you get very different, um, I guess, areas of Italy that are appealing for different reasons. Of course, your ski resorts are more up in the north as well. And you've also got the Lake District, which isn't that far from Milan. So if you're going to go to Milan, of course, go across always if you can. And include either Lake Como or Garda or Bellagio, where George Clooney has a nice little place. You might see him. You never know your luck in a big city, do you? Keep your eyes open. Or a small city, should we say? And Milan used to be considered quite an industrial place, but like a lot, uh, like us here in Newcastle too. You know, we have changed. We've we've sort of uh, morphed into something better, if you like. And Milan's the same. It's becoming quite a uh, a shopping centre now, and beautiful arcades, and you know, department stores, and of course the famous opera house, which if you can get. As seat and get in early to, to sit in it with most wonderful acoustics so that is something beautiful to do as well everyone of course wants to go to Venice I mean Verona because of Romeo and Juliet, um, Florence which is delightful and good for leather and also we've got you know the Duomo there and Michelangelo's David etc so everywhere you go through Italy you're just soaking up history is what you've got to remember as well then in Umbria you've got of course Assisi which is you know a fabulous place to go and see Assisi and not to forget of course uh, Tuscany which is wonderful all the wine growing areas in, in Tuscany you've got you know um, for example San Gimignano and you've got Siena and you know Poggibonsi, and some beautiful areas there that you can go you've got the coastline of course where you've got Ravenna and Nimini and Kona and Pescara leading all the way down to Brindisi where you can get across to Greece then you come way down into that toe of course and you've got Calabria and then off the bottom you've got Sicily. And another place that a lot of people forget about is Sardinia, which seems like, to me, a fascinating island um, to go to. And I remember Rick Stein was doing one of his, you know, odysseys and um, went to Sardinia. It was quite a surprise. I have not been there myself, but if you ever get a chance to, to research that or look at one of his odysseys on Sardinia, it looks fascinating. Um, and a lot of history attached to it as well. So how far is that from mainland Italy? A fair way. It you'd fly there, yes. It would be a flight. And the yeah. thing is, you've got to remember, even with ferries initially, they're a bit unreliable. It's a lot safer to fly. They'll suddenly say it's cancelled or they don't have enough people and they won't run it or whatever. So to be quite honest with you, and that is quite a distance, even if you're in Rome and you're not travelling to the bottom of Italy to get to um, Sicily to go into Palermo or Catania, definitely fly and there's some quite good cheap charter operators that you'll get you down there in no time and the ferries, as I said a bit unreliable it's actually an overnight ferry to get down from Rome to Sicily so it's not a short distance and Sardinia is a fair distance as well off the coast then of course you, you've got Abruzzo and um, which is fantastic as well and not to forget Rome and I mean the Colosseum in itself is still an amazing structure as is the Parthenon in Athens and so on so italy has a lot to offer and these days there's so many things you can do as far as gourmet tours walking tours cycling tours you know you can walk the amalfi coast you, you can you know walk all parts of the area cinque Terre, which is famous with its five villages all linked where you do some wonderful walking holidays out of La um and levanto and there's some fabulous walks and even not the official walk that's along the coast you can do another walk that's sort of up higher, set behind the villages. And it's a beautiful walk with a fabulous, more elevated, if you like, outlook. And of course, I mean, we all love Italian food, I'm sure. And, and it is more simplistic in lots of regions than we do. Like a pizza here, we try and pile everything on it. You go to Italy... A margarita pizza is just, you know, your mozzarella, your tomato, maybe a bit of basil, but thin and crispy and beautiful and fresh and, you know, lots of lovely dishes all throughout that we've we've all gotten used to over the years. So it's a wonderful destination, Italy, and, of course, it's a good hopping-off point to lots of other places in the Mediterranean as well. To a new RFM, it's 21 past 1. Sally Lucas and I are talking travel, and we're doing something rather fun fun, special, and an improvement on, I guess, what other people's experiences may have been in the past. So we're talking about the Trans-Siberian Rail, and if anyone did it in its early days, of course, you had hard class and soft class, and even soft class was nowhere near as good as our second class. So as you can imagine, it was pretty basic train travel, and, and it is a long journey. So we have briefly talked about this train before, but I think it could have even been last year, Jane. So I just thought it was time, you know, to bring it forward again and just to talk about it because it has been increasingly becoming more popular because of the fact they can now offer you a luxurious train like we've known with the Orient Express and various other great train journeys of the world. So at least now you can traverse this wonderful, iconic journey from uh, Moscow to Vladivostok or vice versa um, on what they call the Golden Eagle is the name of the train. Um, So it's a very famous route, as we've said. So now you can get everything... That, well, all first-class trains would offer you know lounge and bar cars. Um, you can even go and have Russian language lessons. Would you believe? Oh, what a great and, idea! And lectures. <laughs> they have a library um you know there's places where you can just play cards um and of course you're indulging in a taste of russia so they do give you some russian food to experience russian cuisine um all meals are included as well as wine beer and soft drink with lunch and dinner and they've got two um, restaurant cars on here as well and they do have expert chefs on board um, you have in each carriage an attendant is available 24 hours a day there's a qualified doctor He's on board as well for the journey, as is a tour manager as well. So yeah, it's a little bit different to the old hard class rail where you didn't really get any help at all. How long does it take to cross Siberia? 12, 12 days. So it's a long the train way, journey or 12 months actually boggles doesn't it it does um, i mean you think it takes what four or five days to cross australia the, and we australia think that's a long journey don't we mm, i mean it's the same as if you're traversing the rockies and well, that's only overnight in in canada or if you went right across even canada it wouldn't take 12 days so you know it, it is an exceptionally long journey but having said that i mean you do get, you are getting off the train regularly so don't just think you're sitting on the train getting a, a sore little derriere for 12 nights um and of course in a train you get up and move around anyway that's the benefit I suppose as opposed to a coach a train you, you can get up you can move around you can go and chat to people in other areas and really you're probably only in your cabin when you when you're sleeping or unless you want to have a rest or something like that but um, they've got English speaking local guides as well take the take you on a range of excursions so the old days you'd have been lucky to have anyone even to speak English on board the train um, and of course that means that you can immerse yourself in the local culture and history as you go as you call into these routes as well um, they've got different stil- styles of cabins as well and And everything from just a basic, when I say basic cabin, still with your own ensuite, but to a more luxurious suite or cabin is available. So to give you an idea, if you were to start, for example, in Moscow, you flew into Moscow, um, you'll board your, um, there is a package together rather that will give you like your night in Moscow at the end and and so on. And you just have to add your airfares, of course, onto this. Um, So you would board in, in Moscow and then you go, just to give you an idea, you go through a place called Kazan. And it's a historic city on the Volga River And you disembark there And you do a lot of major sites there Including they've got there A World Heritage-listed Kremlin fortress And within the walls of that the, the citadel, you've got mosques And Onion Dome cathedrals and so on So, you know, very, very interesting Then you go to your um Where, again, there You have a lot of influences Of both European and Asian civilizations That came together there With, with of course, people crossing You know, across continents And to Novosibirsk is another area you go to which is um, famous for its opera house apparently that um, is considered an architectural marvel and it houses two permanent ballet and opera companies and it's one of the largest in the world um, and, and then you go on you know, oh, it's got a big statue of Lenin in front of it too in front of the opera house there that's it, history yes of course and then you go into irkutsk and then you go around this lake which I have mentioned before Lake Bakal, which is the world's deepest freshwater lake. Um, and they do try and fish along there for you and get fish that come from the lake. So you have that local fish of barbecued smoked fish um, that comes from there. And then you get a taste of Mongolia by going into Ulaanbaatar and Russian Far East. And, of course, you end up going through to Vladivostok. So it's really quite interesting. It's a unique cultural experience. You visit up to about nine towns, villages and cities along the way, um, um, and everything's included, as I said, you like your port charges, and even tipping and so on. So it's an all-inclusive package when you buy it, and it does include a, a barbecue also on the shores of Lake Bacal As I mentioned, weather permitting, depending on the time of year you're doing it, of course. Um, and also you get to have lunch in a yurt, which is those dome-shaped tents that a lot of the people in Mongolia live in out on the plains and so on. So there you go. That's something really very different for you. And um, on board, you get 14 breakfasts, 13 lunches, 14 dinners, and as we said, or that's all meals, drinks, etc. Services of an attendant, lectures, English speaking guides, entertainment, library. So,
1: so really, if you're
0: interested yeah. in doing that route, and it does appeal to people to do that part of the world, it's so far flung from us. Um, at least you now know that you can do it in style. Thanks, Sally Lucas. Thank you. And we'll be talking travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news.